Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Well, amen. One of the things I neglected to say during the announcement time, if you're going to uh, come and help us on the March 17th for the egg hunt, there's a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. If you'll go by and let us know that you're going to help us so that we know we'll have a full staff of individuals uh, to make sure we pull that off well. So uh, please uh, tell us and let us know that you're coming so we know what's going on and how many people will be here so that uh, we can staff and do everything we need to do uh, for that event. So please do that uh, after service today. Don't wait. A lot of times we wait and wait and wait. Just sign up today. Amen. So please do that today. Well, I bet you didn't think I had it in me, but I got one more sermon in Philippians. And uh, somebody asked me last week, I guess we're done with Philippians. And I said, well, we'll see. And uh, so I got one, one more in me. We've been talking about uh, Philippians is this little letter helping us to experience, you know, true joy in this life. Amen. We know that the afterlife, we know that the life we're going to, to live in eternity in heaven uh, is, I tell you, it's, it's going to be so beyond our comprehension. Um, it, it's, it's going to be awesome. Um, I don't know that we even have words adequately enough to describe how beautiful it's going to be to be with Jesus Christ for all of eternity in heaven, how beautiful that's going to be. But in this life, people are looking to find joy. Now, now joy is that lasting uh, inner peace that we are looking for in the midst of this life, life that throws all kinds of things at us, right? And so Paul is writing to the Philippian church, a church under persecution, a church that has some internal conflict. And he writes to them, listen, guys, you can have true, lasting peace and joy today. And if you've not heard anything else I've said in in the whole series of messages, I hope that you've heard sort of the, the overarching statement that I've been making every week. And that is, if you want to experience true joy in life, you must be connected to Jesus Christ. That, that is where we find joy, is in Jesus. Amen? And so I hope and pray that you have uh, at least caught that in the multitude of sermons that we've preached through Philippians. Today, I want to talk about the joy of sainthood. What is a, a saint? You know, when you begin to think about being a saint, You know, some people think that the saints are those super spiritual Christians. You know, those are the ones who, who, you know, they never seem to do anything wrong. They got their act together. You know, they're up at 4 a.m. They're in the Bible and they're reading and they're praying for six hours a day. You know, we begin to think about what is a saint. Well, let me tell you something. That is not the definition of a saint. Neither is a saint, you know, someone that is dubbed to be a spiritual elitist based on some kind of religion or idea that we have that we make people saints. When Paul uses the word saints in the text 
of Philippians chapter 4, verses 20 and through verse 23, what Paul is referring to is literally, the Greek word means holy ones. Saints are holy ones. Who are these holy ones? Well, it is those who have been blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ and made holy by his propitiation for our sin, by his atonement for us on the cross of Calvary, by the power of his resurrection, we become the saints of God. Now, you may not always act like a saint, but the reality is, if you're born again in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. That's the way we're going to use the word today because that's what Paul talks about in the text. He talks about us being God's children, being the saints of God. And what a joy it is to be a saint of God. Are you saying, preacher, why is that a joy? Well, listen to what Paul says, beginning of verse 20. He says to us in the text, Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Then in verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Saying, preacher, how do you get a sermon out of that? Well, you talk about sainthood. When you begin to think about being a saint of God, the first thing we need to understand is what Paul gives us, and that's the reality of verse 20, is that you and I as a saint of God are children of God. Think about what Paul said. Go back to verse 20. He says, now to our God and Father. Paul is writing to the Philippian church, to the saints of God at Philippi. And he says to them in this doxology, he says, God is your Father. Amen. We sang about that. <laughs> He's a good, good Father at that. Amen. We just sang about that. How beautiful of a song to remind us that we are his ones that he loves. When you begin to think about God being our father, we need to understand that God is not the father of every single human being on the planet. Now, for some of you, I just made you gasp. Some of you think I just said something heretical. But the reality is you are not a child of God until God makes you a child of God by virtue of the death of his son on the cross. You come to faith and grace and are saved. Then you become a child of God. Listen to me. That does not mean that God does not care for unsaved people. The reality is that God has what we would call common grace. God makes the rain. You hear the rain? He makes the rain to come on the just and the unjust. The sun shines on the just and the unjust. There is this common grace by which God has for all of humanity. But to be a child of God requires salvation. Now, for some of you, I know you're still wrestling with this. So let me give you the scripture. Listen to what John says in John chapter 1. John is writing about this beautiful son, Jesus Christ, who has come into the world. And he says that there's salvation in this son of God, who is Jesus Christ. And listen to what John says to us. You become a child of God, but as many as received him, there it is, receiving Jesus Christ, to them he gave them the right to become what? Children of God. If I already was, why do I need the right to become? 
You with me? So by virtue this morning, as we begin to look at the doxologies, Paul begins to sing and to praise God. And by the way, he's doing that as a result of what we looked at last week. And that is that God can help us to find contentment in this world because we have all the riches in Christ Jesus that we need. And so Paul, as a result, begins to break out of the doxology and praising God and thanking God for how great God is. And he reminds us in that doxology that as saints of God, we have a father who sits on a throne in heaven who is glorious and who is high and lifted up. Yet he is very personal and he is involved in your life and in my life every day. Isn't that good to know? And so he says to us, he gave us the right to become the children of God. To those what? Who believe in his name. Who were born, listen, not of blood. We're not a blood kin to God. Nor of the will of the flesh. It wasn't my idea to become a child of God nor of the will of man, there it is again, but of God. God gives us the right. God gives us the ability. God gives us the power. God gives us the way to become the children of God. Amen? And it's only by him. And so he reminds us of that. Paul does, as he talks about how great and glorious God is. And look what he says. He says, now to our God and Father be what? Glory. Isn't that what it's all about? What should the children of God be about? You and I who are saved, what should we be about? That is bringing God glory. Not just singing it in songs, but living in such a way. Jesus would say this way, let your light so shine before men that what? They may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I am to live in such a way as a saint of God that I am bringing glory upon God. Not just in the songs I sing, but in the lifestyle that I lead. You know, when I think about being a child of God, we just sang it. Being a, being, we acknowledge God as a father and we are loved by him. The Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of that, of our value. What is our value to God as his children? Matthew 10, Jesus said, are not two sparrows, he said, sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. In other words, God knows every bird that falls out of the air. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Some of you, that's easier than others. <laughs> Do not fear, therefore. Listen to what he says. You are of more value than many sparrows. What is your value as a child of God? It's enormous. It's enormous. See, sometimes we forget that we're God's children. And in regard to being God's children, we forget how loved we really are. Amen. You know, if you really want to know how loved you are by God as a child of God, begin to read that high and lofty prayer of John 17 of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus in that prayer, around verse 23, will say something like this. He says, Lord, you love me and you have loved them as you have loved me. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus? That's pretty astounding. Because sometimes we base our love that we receive or feel from God based on our own opinion of ourselves, based on our own self-worth of ourselves. Folks, it's not about what you value yourself at. This is about the value that God places on you. And God says he loves you as much as he loves his son, Jesus Christ. Because that's what he does with his children. Amen? He loves us. He loves us. 
And as a result of that, what stems? Giving God glory. What is Paul ultimately doing here in verse 20? It's worship. It's worship. I ought to live a life as a child of God, worshiping the Father, giving him that glory that he deserves. Amen? Whether it be by the things that I do or the things that I say or the songs that I sing, they ought to bring glory to the Father. But that's not all Paul talks about in being a saint. Notice he says in verse 20 that we worship God and we recognize that he is our father. But the second thing we find in verse 21 and 22, listen to what he says. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me, what? They greet you. That's twice he said the word greet. Then notice verse 22. All the saints greet you and especially those of Caesar's household. I want you to think about what Paul is saying because as a saint, the second thing I want you to write down is that we are a family of God. Amen? We are a family in here this morning. Are you with me? If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are kin by virtue of the blood of the cross. Amen? You and I are kin. And so he writes to us, and notice what he says in this text. He says, greet every saint. He's giving them a command to greet every saint. So what does this mean? This, this means that we, first of all, have this bond, this unity. Now, when we think about this unity, we can't help but go back to what Paul's already said about unity. Remember, we preached the whole sermon on the joy of church unity. You and I are to be unified as the body of Christ. There's no way around it. Paul writes about it here in this Philippian church, reminding these two women who are at odds with one another to settle their differences and to come together in unity. And it says that those around them help them. Help them to be unified. Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians about the, the Lord's Supper. And he reminds them, hey, he says, I can't, I can't write to you as something good. But, but listen, what you're doing is you're divided. And he said, and that's not healthy. And it would launch Paul from talking about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11. to talking about the body of Christ beginning in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians and reminding us that we are all part of the same body of Christ. Doesn't regard, you know, doesn't matter what each of us have a different function, yes, but we are all part of the same body. And we're necessary, crucial. So we have this bond of sainthood. But then listen, he gives us this word greet three times. He says, greet the saints. Those who are here greet you. Those of Caesar's household, they greet you. What does that mean? I like what Spurgeon says. Per, Spurgeon says that it's just for every one of us as a believer are to extend love. Extend love. See, when we see each other, we ought to greet one another. You know, when you go to Walmart and you, you have that time where you bump into everybody, you ever done that. You're trying to get in and get out and you're running to everybody, you know, you ever been there? Can I get an amen? You know, and it's easy for us to, to see people that we love and we know from church to be able to say, well, they didn't see me. So I'm going to slip down aisle 15, get what I got to get. Maybe I can slip around them and I'll never have to talk to them and I can get on out. You know, that's not what we ought to be doing as Christians. We ought to be extending courtesy and love to one another and be glad to see one another. Amen? That's what we ought to be, is glad to see each other when we're out in public or, listen, we ought to be extending that here in the congregation as we come to church. 
Nobody should walk past you and not at least acknowledge you're a person and that you exist and that you are here. Amen? I pray that I, I pray that I never get my head so high in the clouds that I, you know, get where I don't welcome and, you know, thank people that are here. And part of the reason why I'm a little old-fashioned standing at the door at the end of the sermon is because I like to be able to greet people as they leave so I can say, hey, how's it going? Because it's impossible to get around to everybody, especially when I teach Sunday school and I run my mouth too long in there and I'm running to get down here. So, you know, we want to be where we greet one another. We extend to one another this love, this compassion. After all, isn't that what he's saying to us? But then he talks about this this increase of the saints. I want you to see it. Notice what he says. Look back at verse 21, 22. He says, greet every saint in Christ. The brethren who are with me greet you. We can talk about who is with him. We know for certain, according to the beginning of this letter, that Timothy was with him. But we want to, we want to concentrate on verse 22 a second because he says, and all the saints greet you, but especially those of what? Caesar's household. I want you to think about Caesar for a minute. Caesar hated Christianity. And yet here are people in his own household. Now, the word household doesn't necessarily refer to blood kin. You know, the people that live in my household across the street at my house, they're my kin. You know, they are my grandkids and my, my, my daughter lives with us still and my wife, I let her live there. And so, you know, <laughs> over there, over, over there, you know, we, we, we're kin. We're, we're part of the same family, but this word is being used, it extends, it extends to even those who worked in the household. Most likely, most commentators believe that it's referring to slaves that, that were owned by this great emperor. And these slaves heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and were saved. And so we have these folks in the walls of Caesar's household, maybe some of his governmental officials who are born again believers in Jesus Christ. What an astounding truth. What a, what a joy it is to know that God continues to expand, even in difficult places, our brotherhood. Isn't that awesome to know? And that no matter where we go in the world, when we find other fellow believers in Jesus Christ, we find a kinship. We find that joy of being together. And I've been in a lot of different places with a lot of different people who are believers who I couldn't understand what they were saying because they were speaking in a different language. But nonetheless, our hearts beat as one. Amen. You, you just knew that you're with fellow Christians that you love and that loved you. What a great fellowship. Listen, as the saints of God, not only are we God's children, but listen, we're part of one another. We're part of this family, and we ought to act like family. Amen? Now, having said that, that reminds me, there are times when family don't get along. Amen? But you know, there's a saying, right? Blood's thicker than water. Let me tell you something. The blood of Jesus that binds us is a lot thicker than water. And there's a lot of things that happen in church that we all just let go under the bridge, right? Rather than camp on. It's just silliness to do that. And so Paul reminds us we're children of God, we're family of God. But then I want you to notice the last part. This is really going to set you great. And that is verse 23. And that is this, write it down. We are kept by the grace of God. Grace is the bookends of this little letter. If you hold your place there and go all the way back to Philippians chapter 1 
And look with me at verse 2. Listen to what Paul says as he opens this letter. And he says, it's Paul and Timothy writing. He says, it's to all the saints who are in Philippi. And listen to what he says, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great reminder that grace is on one end and on the other. There is this grace, and Paul is talking about this grace by which God used to save us. Now he's talking about that grace by which God uses to keep us. Can I tell you, the Christian life is not to be lived alone. It is not to be lived in your power, but in the power that God provides through the Holy Spirit given to us, and that's how he keeps us. I'm glad that Jesus said that all those are in his hand, he will not lose any of them. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Aren't you thankful that in Revelation 4 and 5, when he's writing, or excuse me, verses, uh, chapter 2 and 3, when he's writing to the seven churches, every time he says, he who overcomes, and he gives a blessing. Can I tell you that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're the overcomer? Amen? Amen? Because you are kept by the power of God. He keeps us. Listen to what Paul says, reminding us in chapter 1 again, verse 6. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he, God, who began a work in you, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now let me talk about this grace for just a minute, and then I'll be done, I promise. Grace is the heart of the gospel. For by grace we've been saved through faith. This, not of ourselves, this is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace is that unmerited favor that God has given to us by which he saves us. Amen? It's nothing that we have done. We, we cannot do anything to earn salvation. It doesn't matter what religion you may be a part of. It doesn't matter how many good works you think you do. You cannot earn a place in heaven by any of those things. It's the grace of God through faith. And so what Paul is writing to us as he's concluding is, he's reminding the Christians, just like you cannot be saved by anything that you do, you cannot live the Christian life by anything you do. If I'm going to be obedient to Christ, then I need God's grace to be obedient. If I'm going to do any work for Christ that's going to bring God glory, I need God's grace to accomplish that work. I need God to continue to work in and through my life by his grace. Paul would write in Romans, it's grace upon grace upon grace. And, and, and really the, the way that Paul wrote and in the tenses of the verbs that he wrote, we can continue to say it's grace upon 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 grace. In other words, he's saying it's grace upon you all of your life. And it's by grace we're going to one day see his face and be ultimately glorified in heaven. And so it's grace. But listen, why is it if it's by grace we're kept, why is it that we struggle? <laughs> why is it, David, that we, that we find it so difficult to walk the Christian life? Because we're not resting in his grace. Paul knew all about that too, didn't he? Paul was given the thorn in the flesh to buffet him. And he prayed three times, God, remove it. You know, he wanted, a, he wanted a smoother path. Haven't y'all ever been there? You want a smoother path, don't you? you? You don't want the thorn in the flesh. You don't want the problems of life. And so he prayed and said, Lord, re remove it from me. And God says, my grace is sufficient 
for you. See, it becomes hard when I don't rest in the grace that is sufficient. Listen, folks, as we conclude Philippians, hear me again. This true, lasting joy is only found by being connected to Jesus Christ and he alone, who by his grace, listen, by his grace has made you a saint who is a child of God. He has placed you in a family of God in order to what? To keep you by his power and by his grace until that day when he calls us home to glory. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.